We're going to continue this morning in our series in the book of Malachi. We're actually going to wrap up the book of Malachi this morning. And so if you've been with us, you know there's been a four-week study of Malachi where we've been kind of uh, uh, going through line by line and studying uh, the word. And so we ended off at the end-ish of chapter 3 last week. And uh, I just want to say a couple things we get in, as we keep prepare, to, prepare to end it. Is, uh, I've said it before, but I hope you really have sunk in it, it, that Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. That's the order of things. And even in the Jewish manuscript, when they order the Bible, Malachi is the last prophet. It's not the last book for them, but it's the last prophet that spoke. It's the last time they heard from God was Malachi. And so we talked about that and what it means. And God has said some crazy things in Malachi, like, you have forgotten me. You don't fear me no more. Like, you don't even think I'm a God of justice. These are all things that have been said. And we were having a conversation, with, I was having a conversation with somebody this week, and they said, uh, man, that's some hard stuff. And it is, but we ought not forget, you know, that uh, the things that, 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 as much as things have changed, things haven't changed. <laughs> we always think that, right? Oh, they had it different back in Bible times. Nope, they were sinners just like us. They were fallen just like us. They got it wrong just like us. But they were invited in just like us. And so we get to participate uh, in, in what God is doing. And so Malachi is kind of the last word before God falls silent. Now, here's where everything changes then. Because as Christians, we believe that God then speaks when Jesus shows up. We believe that the prophecies are fulfilled when Jesus shows up. And so this book kind of leaves us waiting for that day. And we're going to talk about that this morning, waiting for that day when the Lord comes and, uh, and brings the fullness of his kingdom here on earth. And so that's what we have the opportunity to do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and have you turn. Uh, we're going to pray in a minute, but I'm going to turn real quick because I want to pick up on one final verse. Uh, I have Malachi 4, but we're going to look at Malachi 3, verse 12. It's on the same page. It's on page 670 if you use one of our Bibles. So Malachi 3, uh, verse 12. Because I want to make one final point, and then we're going to pray and get into today's, uh, the word for today. And this is... Uh, this is the final thing that God has said to Israel after he's been having this conversation with them, asking them questions. And they've been like, what? What are you talking about, God? We're good. You know, we've been faithful to you. And he's kind of got all these things against them. He's kind of, you know, calling them out on some stuff. And then in chapter 3, verse 12, this is what the Lord says. Then at that time, all the nations will call you blessed and you, yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty, the Lord of power of the army of hosts right? And, and if you think about it, this book started with the idea that you can be cursed by God. Like, there's a real path in life where you can just be fighting God your whole life and not pleasing God. You remember, he said all stuff early in the book, in, in Malachi 1. He was laying it down. And so, in some ways, this book is a story, is a, a narrative from curses to blessings for the people of God. But they have to choose to participate. They have to choose to come in with them because it's a journey from curses to blessings. And, and then he's going to talk this morning about how that happens. But I want to point that out to you. That as much as we've said, uh, you, you, and this is a real thing, y'all, that, that you can be living actively against the Lord. And he will not be defeated. So your life gets, goes from worse to worse, and we see this all the time in our own lives and the lives of others. It goes from bad to worse, bad to worse. What's going on? They're not living as if God is who he says he is. But when they turn and repent, which is what we talked about last week, when they, when they return to God, then all of a sudden, blessings. He says what in verse 12? Then your land will be blessed and will be made famous among the nations. You can take that to mean Israel, literally. You can take that to mean 
the people of God figuratively. Nations will call, wow, you're, you're blessed, man. How are you so blessed? Because I live under the authority of the Lord. I live as, uh, because God exists. I won't say as if God exists. It sounds like he does, and he does. I live that way. So anyway, that's the call in Malachi. We're going to wrap it up this week in chapter 4, but I wanted to kind of touch on that to see the clear narrative here. We're going to do what we always do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that God, listen to me, who is here with us this morning, who is in our midst, not only this morning, but all the time. Don't think it's a Sunday. Well, now I'm in church. God's here. No, God's always with us everywhere. His Spirit's everywhere. We're going to pray that he would teach us now. Father God, we thank you so much that you are everywhere, that there is nothing that happens in this world that is apart from your knowledge or your ability. And that, Father, in this place, we have come now and we acknowledge that. We say we know you're everywhere, we know you know us, and we want to know you more. Father, there's one way that happens, and that's if you teach us. If you show us yourself, that's the only hope we have to know you better. So this morning, wherever we're going, whatever we're coming from, wherever we're going through, Father, I pray we could just listen to you I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be our instructor. And I pray that we might discern truth, that we might be transformed because of who you are, that we might know you, know uh, our Savior, and know the gospel better. And, and maybe if we don't know it, that we would know it for the first time, that we would know that for the first time, Father. May you be glorified. May you honor yourself through the preaching of your word. What a blessing it is to know you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, so we're going to pick up in chapter 3. We, you know, we turn to chapter 4. We're going to pick up in chapter 3, and we're going to pick up right where we left off, which I believe is in 13 then. And we touched on 12. Now we're going to pick up in 13. So here we go. The, the Lord says this. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? This is the last one. I've been telling you this is didactic teaching. He says, this is something that's happened. You say, well, how'd that happen? And God said, this is how it happens. And this is the eighth time that God has kind of used a question and then gave the answer. He, he's begged the question and, uh, and responded on our behalf. How have we uh, spoken against you? And he says this in 14. You have said it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? Again, that's the Lord of hosts. Um, but we now call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper and even those who challenge God escape. So we have this um, testimony yet again, even though there's a hope of a coming promise of God, I'm going to come and bless you that you have spoken evil or you have spoken uh, against me. You've spoken harshly against me. The word actually means that you have spoken over me, God says. You have spoken over me, right? We talked about that. The fundamental sin is that we think we judge God. And, and they say, well, when? When did we talk, when did we talk bad about you? Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience in your life. Have you ever had the experience where you're just frustrated? Like things just aren't going well. You, you've, been, you, you've been good. You've been behaving yourself. And, and you just finally think, I'm just going to vent a little bit. I'm just going to vent. I'm just going to tell somebody how I really feel about something. And you start to, you start to dish a little bit. You know, just you and a friend, maybe you and a couple friends, maybe you and eight friends, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And you're just going to, I'm just going to say a few things, and it's about somebody you really, you know, you're, you're in relationship with, but you're just going to talk. Um, Chris and I like to uh, watch a show together. It's, our, it's one of our little rituals, I call it. And uh, there was a scenario like this where there was, there was people, they were in a small environment, and there was somebody in a laundry room. 
And, and, and it's a setup. It's, it's a hidden, it's like a, a reality TV show. You know what I'm saying? Like the scripts are all prepared. Anyway, uh, there was someone listening in uh, to a conversation about them. And the people in the room were ignorant of them. They were in the laundry room, right? You know, machines running. You can't, you're talking loud. You know, you can't hear anyway. And, and you're watching this and you're going, oh, no. Oh, no. They hear you. Oh, oh, no. Have you ever had that experience? You just, you just finally go, you know what? I'm just going to say a few things about so-and-so. And then all of a sudden that moment, they're like, now, now here's, that was step one. Step one was a setup that, that you know they heard. But step two is then later on, they're all in a room together, and the person that's offended is like, I'm going to go say something. And you're like, oh, no. No, don't. 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 And then, bam, they come in the room. You know where I was? I was in the laundry room, and I heard everything. And you're like, oh, no. You ever had that happen? You ever had that happen whenever you're in a crowd of people, and you're like, you know, I think about so-and-so, blah, blah, blah. And you turn, and you're like, oh, there you are. You ever had that happen? I mean, it can't be just me, Right? It can't be just me that's had that happen. You ever had these, these, these wonderful devices touch your butt and call somebody? <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Have you ever had somebody call you and left that five and a half minute voicemail? <laughs> you can't, but you're listening, aren't you? Are they talking about me? What are they going to say about me? Is that just me? See, that's how this is. Israel's been talking as if God isn't there. And, and he says, you've said empty words again. You've spoken empty words over me. And they're like, how? What? what? He's like, I'm right here. That's what this is like. That's what this is like. This last accusation. It's like, you've spoken. How? You said, and this is what, and then listen to what God says in 14. He says, this is exactly what you said. You said it's, a worthless, it's futile to serve God. That's the first thing he says. You have said that it is worthless uh, to serve God, and that's Elohim there, that, um, that you have spoken harshly against me, and you think it's worthless to have served me. I want to remind you a bit of Israel's history. God has saved them again and again and again. And every time they've wandered away from God, they've gotten off in the ditch, and every time they've returned to God, they've been blessed. Every time, every time. And yet, they have the audacity to have said, it is futile to serve the Lord. It's futile to serve God. Um, we have, and then the next thing, the second thing he said is, uh, what has keeping watch for him profited us? What has it helped us? I'm going to say all three of these, and I want to talk about them for a minute. And then they said a third thing. They said, we have walked as mourners in the dark, as the Lord watched on. That, that's not how the translation reads. If you have an NIV, that's not how the word reads. It says, um, uh, what do we gain by carrying out his requirements? That's watching for the Lord. And then it said, and going about like mourners before the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. But it means to walk in darkness as God's face is upon you. That they're saying, what good has all this done us? What has it helped me? As Lance said a couple weeks ago, we have questions. How does it apply to Israel, right? That's the one part of it. And then how does it apply to us? Have you ever heard that question asked? What good does it do to be a Christian? What has it done for you? How has it helped you to keep all these rules, right? 
as an, as an external understanding to the Christian life, that we're keeping rules. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to act right. But they asked the question out loud. They said, well, what good has this done? What have we benefited? How much has it profited us to follow Elohim? And then we've walked about as mourners in the dark. We have just had nothing, as Dale said this morning, but gloom and doom, bad to worse. Life has not been good. This is what God says they have said, and then he gets into what they have, they have thought. Uh, but now, we call the arrogant blessed. That's the proud. We go, look at those people. They're, so, they're proud and they're blessed. Secondly, uh, evildoers prosper, right? And they're just talking about it openly. Like, God don't bless the good anymore. God doesn't, God's ignoring all the people who are faithful, and then he's blessing all the sinners. They're just, their lives are going great. They're prospering. They're building. Those who do evil are building, and they're having more. And then, even those who test God slither away. <laughs> they come right to his face. And they call them out. And they're not afraid. We're, we're afraid. They're not afraid. And then they just, just ride off into the sunset. And they never get touched. You hear? Do you hear what the accusation is? That God, and what's happening? They're talking like he, he's not there. I wanna, this is the first point. Listen. Oh, that was already up there. God hears our grumbling. God hears our grumbling. That's a tough thing to hear. Because again, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I've grumbled a few times in my life. I've said a few times, what? God, what? I've said it to God directly, like, what? What's going on with this? Is this part of the deal? Is this how it's supposed to be? And God, you know, and listen to me, you know that God hears the grumbling because he recounts to Israel exactly what they have said. You know, the Bible says you'll be held to account for every careless word you have muttered. That sounds scary to me. Every time I've said I know better, every time I've spoken empty words over God as if I had the ability to cash that check, you know, uh, he hears it. He hears it. And you think, oh, man, that's, that's bad news, you know. And they, and they escape. And they escape God. There's, there's no, we talked about this already, but there's no justice. God, what's going on? That's the first thing. But then the second thing is equally important. Listen to this. This is where the text turns. I would say for the final time here, it's going to turn into what God is going to do. Verse 16, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord, here's the word, listened and heard. So we have the report that he, we know he heard the grumbling already because he recounted it to them. When they said, well, what, us? How do we do it? He said, this is exactly how you did it. These are the times you did it. But then look at what the word says in verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord that stood in awe of him had some reverent respect for him. It's not fear like he's going to beat me. It's fear like he's worthy of worship. It's fear like he's in charge. It's fear like I believe it. I believe it. Despite everything the way it is right now, I believe that God is good and going to bring about some good in this. He's going to change things. I want you to see the minutia of what's happening in this one verse. Those who feared the Lord did what? Talk to each other. They began to talk amongst themselves that those who feared the Lord gathered up and said, I know it seems like this, but there's something else going on. 
because God has always been faithful. This is a good example of why we need churches and the church. Little C churches and the big C church. Because we need to be reminded that we are not left alone. There's a tendency we have when we get isolated. We think, God don't care about me. God ain't there for me. God, has, What has God done for me? And we need a community of faith to go, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten all that God has done? Do you remember the time? And then we tell that story. Because that's what's happened here. Those who feared the Lord begin to discuss with one another. They begin to have a dialogue about this. And the Lord, and the word says it twice here, he listened and he heard. What? Here it is, the next one. God hears our faith. God hears our faith, right? And so as much as it might be scary, and it is, that God has heard our grumbling, he hears our grumbling, he hears our faith. He hears those moments in our lives whenever everything is going wrong and everyone around you is saying, what are you doing? Why would you believe this anymore? What's wrong with you? And you go, I know the Lord. The Lord is good. And he hears it. He hears our faith. It says he listened and he heard those who feared him, right? And, and so we know that, uh, that he's, he's hearing those moments. He listened and he heard. And then what does he do? And we're going to come back to this in a minute, but what does he do? A scroll of remembrance was written. We're going to talk about that. Look at the passivity. When he remembered a scroll of remembrance, when he listened and heard, I should say, when he listened and heard, a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. That's the two qualifications. They feared him and they honored his name. They didn't understand it. They were in a different situation than everybody else in Israel, but they feared him and they honored his name. They said, he, they said he's to be praised. By the way, here it's, it's Yahweh. They said, we praise Yahweh, right? They walked in, in, without fear. Um, some walked without fear, but these feared, and then they honored his name. They made a decision to do that. That's a moment of faith. That's how we, that's how we demonstrate our faith. You see, it's not... Super hard to demonstrate faith when things are going super good. But when things are not going super good, that's when the moments come. And, and it's like, that's the moment. You, unless you think I'm making this kind of stuff up, you know, if you, you could read the whole book of Job. That's the whole story. A faithful man that was, that was set upon just because Satan's like, give me that. Jesus said, or God says, give me, try, try Job. And Satan's like, I'll try. And he can't. That's the story of Job. He can't. This idea that when life becomes overwhelming, you're just crushed, you're pushed down. That's the moment that faith rises up. You know, the Bible says that in our weakness, he's stronger. Those moments of heaviness, something wells up. And honestly, church, it might be a surprise to you. What? You look back. I never thought I'd go through anything like that. But the Lord is good. He's been faithful to me. And the faith wells up. It's a gift from God and that we get to live in it. But it's in those hard times, and it's in good times too. I don't want to say it's hard times, but listen, you fear the Lord, and we think about his name. Do you remember what God did? This is why we ought not to isolate from community, Christian community. Um, you ought to, we ought to be in a church, because we will forget. It's too easy. And then we ought to love the church that Jesus dies to save. We ought to love the church that Jesus dies to save, no matter where they're found. We have the opportunity to do that. So I, I wonder, 
When you're having a crisis of faith, now I want to go really deep there for a minute. When you're having a crisis of faith, when you're like, I'm not sure I can. I'm not sure I do. Do you think that God remembers that moment? That moment, like in the pit, you know, when you're at the bottom. Do you think that God remembers that moment later? That moment of faith? In spite of ourselves, in spite of our own ability, that we remember, that we fear Him. <laughs> that we say, the world, what can it do? Man, what can they do? Because the Lord is here. See, that's, that's what we have, is a God who listens and hears those faith moments. But then, the next thing is, he now does that. Oh, they're out of order. I'm going to go with God remembers faith. He remembers faith. And so, we're going to talk. Now, that's going back a bit to 16, but it says, A scroll of remembrance was written, right, in his presence concerning those who feared him and honored his name. So there's a scroll. It's written down. It's, it's sealed. But then look at verse 17. So I want to see what the truth claims that God begins to speak. He says, they will be mine. You see, they will be mine. Those moments of weakness, those moments of faith crisis, that's when God remembers those moments. He says, those will be mine. And then listen to what it says. In that day, when I make my treasured possession, and the word actually says, in that day, I will make them my treasured possession i will make them my jewels <laughs> i will i will make them my adornment these moments of faith and we could think well who us what our lives are so small god's going to be or um uh dressed or or, or uh, ornamented in the faith of those who fear him <laughs> He, 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 like, that's crazy. I remember one time I was talking to a friend of mine who had been a believer for a long, long time, knows way more than I do about the gospel and about the Bible and about God. And they were like, there's that song we sing that says, uh, we are his treasure. Is that right? Wow. We looked it up. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. We're going to be God's treasure. We're going to be his possession. His treasure possessions, where the NIV interprets it, but it's jewels. And then the next thing God says, so he says, they're going to be mine. He says, they're going to be my jewels, my, my treasure on that day. And he says this, and I will spare them. Just as in compassion, a man spares his son who serves him. They're going to be my treasure. And I'm going to spare them. I'm going to say, no, that's mine. That one's mine. These moments of faith, these moments of crisis, they become the glory of God. And this is a hard thing to get our heads around, maybe, but this is the truth, that, 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 that there's this recording of those moments. There's um, a, a time, a place, a location, an event where God says, yes, yes, that's what faith looks like, to fear me and honor my name, to believe when everyone else is walking away that I am who I say I am, Yes, that will be my ornament. That will be my glory. And so we have that reality. Uh, now, think about the most difficult day in faith. Okay, so a different way. Think about the most difficult day of faith, not from the moment that you're in it. Lord, how can I go on? I never thought I'd be here. I never thought this would happen. But think about that moment from the day of remembrance. When you're like, past it you know you've lived a long life you're with the lord and he's like do you remember 
that time. Do you remember that time you thought you couldn't make? Do you remember that time you thought it was up to you? <laughs> do you remember that time that you thought you had to, you, you had to do, and then look at where you are. See, he, he rem- how good will that day be? How good will the day be that those moments of crisis become moments of glory? And you go, wow. God is who he says he is. This is the opportunity for Israel, and this is the opportunity for us, that we get to bring glory to God through faith. They brought glory to God through their faith. And he says, they will be remembered, those who've been discussing amongst themselves. They'll rem- they remembered me, and they'll be remembered. They have not forgotten. That's what this whole thing is about. God remembers our faith. And, and I love that language that to, to re- remember, you know, to reconstitute. I mean, it's a little weird, but we know what dismemberment is. It's to take it all apart, right? But to remember, it's to put it all back together, to tell that story again. God remembers faith. He will be mine, says the Lord, in that day when I make up my treasure possession. I will spare them just as they will be mine. I will spare them in compassion as one who spares his son. Listen, there is a gospel connection there, and I hope you can see it, but there's a gospel connection there. He says, in that day when I come, I will spare them as one who spares his son who serves them. And how does he spare us? How do you see it fulfilled in the New Testament? Is it the birth of Jesus? The life of Jesus? Is it the miracles of Jesus? Is that how he spares us? It's the death of Jesus. It's the burial of Jesus, and it's the resurrection of Jesus. He spares us as one, as a son who serves him through Jesus, the coming Messiah. He fulfills his promise, and we, we get to pass. We get invited in, in Jesus' name, as a son who serves his father. This brings us to our next point, which may or may not be out of order. There we go. God is just. And this has been the accusation against the, almost the whole book of Malachi, is that God is absent and God is not just. But God is just. We're going to read now about God's justice, starting in verse 18. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those do not. God's saying, there is coming a time when you will see the distinction. Make no mistake about it. You don't got to worry. You don't got to keep score. You know, we always say don't judge one another, right? You know why? Because we don't got to keep score because there's coming a time when distinction will be made. We will discern. We will know those who are righteous and those who are wicked, and we will see the difference, and we will see the difference on those who serve God and those who do not serve God. And this is why we don't have to keep score because God's going to reveal it, right? And, and so what's the answer? It's to be righteous and serve God. That's what we want to do. Be righteous and serve God. And there will be distinction made at that time. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Surely, or indeed, the day is coming, and it will burn like a furnace or like an oven. And all the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming. Uh, Wait. And that day that is coming will set them on fire. They'll be cut down. They'll be cast out. 
They'll be done away with. And that's scary, right? Like, there'll be stubble for the fire. This is what's going to happen. There's coming a day when justice will be served. How many times right now in our culture we talk about it all the time? Justice, justice, justice. Listen, justice is coming. Justice is coming. We, ought, we don't have to get a pound of flesh today because justice is coming. As a matter of fact, what we ought to want to do is to escape the fire. That's what the goal should be, right, for all of us, to escape the fire. Because there's a day coming when justice will be served. There's a day coming whenever the arrogant, the word says here, and every evildoer will be like stubble. That's like chaff. It's just, you know, waste. And they will be burned, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the disciples when they're hanging out with Jesus in Jerusalem. And they go, wow, look at all these magnificent buildings. And he says, you see all this? It's not going to last. You see all the stuff we're impressed with? It's not going to last. Every bit of it is going to be gone. All the, everything that was rooted in, a, in an ungodliness will be removed. All the branches and all the roots. I mean, to the root. Do you know how hard it is to get roots out? It's no small thing. He says, it's all going because God is just. The day is coming when all the proud and all who do, who do wickedness will be stubble. They'll be set on fire and nothing will be left of them. Not a, not a trace will remain. And I don't say that with glee. I say that with a bit of, of fear, you know. Like, there's a God of justice coming. One of the convictions that I think we ought to have for people is that uh, they face the God of justice. We don't say it gleefully like, yeah, you're going to get it. <laughs> you know, like, look out, you're going to get it. You know, it's like the people talking in the laundry room. Oh, stop it. Stop saying that stuff. He hears you. He knows you. That's what, we're up, that's what we're looking at as a people. God is just, and we ought to fear and respect him. And then, and then the last, and we're going to do this in Malachi 4.2, says, and I'm just going to put it up here then, the last one, which is one more. Okay, there it is. Dark days won't last. See, it sounds all doom and gloom, right? Dark days won't last. But listen to verse 2. But for you who honor or revere my name. The sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings. I, I want to just read that the way I found it in the Greek, which is, but for you who respect or revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. He will shine upon you and bring healing to your land. The one who is coming will uh, manifest amongst you and will bless you, will heal you. And you will go out, and listen to what the word says, and you will leap like calves released from the stall, or you will, you will be fattened like stall-fed calves. Now, I honestly don't know what a stall-fed calf looks like, but apparently it's fattened. <laughs> apparently it's had a pretty good life. It's pretty good. The frolicking thing, I'm not sure where they get that from, but it's this idea they're going to go out and just walk around. But then the next verse is, is amazing. And then you will trample down the wicked. And you go, oh, I don't want to trample the wicked. That's kind of gross and weird. I don't, I don't really want to do that. Do you want to do that? Like, I don't have any desire to, like, walk on people's faces or, you know, like, rub it in. I think it's bad enough. But what does it say? Then you will trample down the wicked because they will be like ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things. Have you ever stepped on ash? What's it feel like? Nothing. I mean, really. You know, it's like, it, it goes poof, poof. It's gone. Like, that's, that's what's coming. 
to the wickedness and the evil. We, 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 we lament, but it's, it's just gone. It's gone. They're like ashes under the soles of your feet when, that, when, I, when I do these things. That's what the Lord of hosts says, the Lord Almighty, when I do these things. So remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws that I have given him at Horeb for all of Israel. See, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of Yahweh comes. He will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. And that's the last word from Malachi. If I don't do something, if I don't, if I don't intervene in the situation, if I let evil continue to flourish, I'm going to strike the land. I'm going I'm to wipe out everything. But I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to intervene. And what we see is God keeping his promise. I'm reminded of the covenant he made with Noah, right? That I will never again strike the land like this. I'm never going to wipe out all the evil in that way. I'm going to do something else. And what he does is what? He sends his son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He sends his son to intervene on our behalf for the great and dreadful day. He sends his son to bring justice into the world. And then I think real practically, church, about what it means and what it looked like. And what did Jesus say? And what did he say? Repent and believe good news. <laughs> I've been sent to save you. I'm, on your, I'm for you. Don't be obstinate. He was speaking to the chaff. He was speaking to those who were going to be burned up. It's like, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. I've come, says the word says, he will come to turn the hearts of fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Otherwise, I will strike the earth, right? This is what it is. What is, what is it about? It's about remembering God. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? No matter what we're doing in our life, just remember God. Remember God. We have the opportunity to, uh, to know him. I love the testimony this morning that the women shared about their experience of God showing up in amazing ways. I want to say that's not for the special, special club. That's for anybody who wants to know, wants to hear, wants to relate with God in that way. And so I don't know, I don't know where you are, but that's, that's the whole thing right there. Said, believe the gospel. Believe that God has done something through Jesus Christ that you could never do for yourself. Man, we should not be like that. Look how good we are. Psh. No, look how, God, look, how God, look how good he is. Look how good he is. Look how good he's been. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your great goodness. Thank you so much for your salvation that you brought to us. We thank you so much that, that the gospel that you came to proclaim after Malachi was for us, that you were, that you were saving your people, that you were redeeming your people. And Father, maybe this morning someone's listening and they're like, man, I want that. I, I want to know a God like that. I want to know a God who's on my side. And Father, I, I confess you're the only one that can reveal it. You're the only one that can intercede in a heart and a mind and transform them through the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray this morning your spirit would be at work. I pray that you would be um, reaching and uh, compelling people toward faith in you. I pray that we'd be open and responsive to that. And that we would live lives filled with joy because of what you've done. May we never forget. May we never forget. May we never talk ill. May we never, you know, tisk tisk toward you and what you're doing. And may we always have faith, no matter what the circumstances. May we always believe, not because it looks good, but because of who you are. May we always believe 
what you're doing. May you be glorified as your people continue in faith that you've given us. Bless us as we respond this morning in worship. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.